Good morning. Isn't it good to know that the Lord's already there? It's good to know that. I trust him. I believe him. He's going to watch over me, and he's going to watch over you, those of us who've called on him as Lord and Savior. And one day we'll get to see him face to face. And what a wonderful day that'll be. As the song says, what a wonderful day that will be. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me. The last few verses of Haggai, we're looking at Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. As I've walked through this with you, uh, the Lord, as I've told you before, I didn't know why the Lord wanted me to preach on Haggai. I just knew that he directed me there. And I said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to preach. I, I just pray that you'll bless it. Use it for your honor and your glory. May people's lives be changed. And I have to say, I feel like that's happened as we have walked through this little bitty book in the Old Testament. Uh, you'll find it right behind Zephaniah and right before Zechariah, two of the, the only Z Bible, Z name Bible uh, titles in the whole thing. So uh, Haggai's just kind of wedged between Zephaniah and Zechariah. So uh, y'all turn there. Uh, today we're going to be looking at how we need to consider our ways in God's power and in God's promises. And it's so wonderful. So many of the texts that I looked up as references to this, God's promises are directly tied to God's power. Because you know what? We don't have a whole lot of power in and of ourselves, so we try not to make a whole lot of promises, right? Because a lot of times our promises get broken. Because we don't have power to control the outcome. But you know what? Our God has the power to control the outcome. So because he knows how to control the outcome, he's able to keep his promises. That's a good God. So when his promises is one of the scriptures I'll be referencing later, it comes out of uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20. We know that all of God's promises, it says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. That's a beautiful thing to know about God's promises now for uh sean up there he's running the the screens and i told uh april and i may have told sean as well uh, i'll be flipping back and forth so like uh in 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 what i'm talking about whether it's god's power or god's promises normally it's like verses one through three is god uh consider your ways in his holiness and then verses four through seven consider his ways and in, in his dependability consider your ways in god's uh, power, you know, whatever it may be. But his power and his promises are inextricably tied to one another throughout this entire text that we're looking at this morning. So y'all look with me. I'm going to read these short amount of verses. And if you will, I would uh, encourage you to stand with me as we read through these few short verses this morning from Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. And I'm going to get to say one of my favorite words this morning, Zerubbabel. Just messing with you guys, I know. Here we go. Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one, by the sword of his brother. Verse 23. And in that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shetiel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring 
for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray, church. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to gather together for the reading of your word. God, we know it is inerrant. It's infallible. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing it to change our hearts and lives. Lord, if there's someone here today whose life has not been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, today that they will surrender their lives to you. They will confess you as Lord and believe in their heart, God, that you raised your son from the dead and be saved. God, I pray that today. Lord, may you move in our lives today. Lord, may you work in a way that we can't understand, but we know that you're guiding us in it. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Now, as we start this out today, you see there in verse 20, it says, And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai. Why does it say again? Uh, primarily because this is the same exact day that the previous word of the Lord came to Haggai. Same day. See, look here, there in verse 20. On the 24th day of the month, saying, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, this was December the 18th, 520 B.C., of when the word of the Lord came to Haggai. And he does not say to a lot of different folks. He doesn't tell him to speak to a lot of different people. He says, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. And I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down. Everyone by the sound, uh, by the sword, excuse me, of his brother. Now, as we look at this, we see the promises there in verse 21 and 22. We also see them in 23 as well. You see, I will, I will, I will. I will, and then you look at verse 23, I will take you. Verse 23, I will make you, for I have chosen you. God makes promises to us, and he will keep his promise. God is good, and the problem is, is we are not. And because we know that we at times cannot be trusted to keep our promises, a lot of times we don't think that God is good because we see God only through the light of how we see ourselves and see other human beings. We don't see Him as the God of goodness, the God of glory, the God of promise. He keeps His promise. As I quoted to you earlier from 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. God's promises are good for us and bring glory to the Father. He is good. His power will see them through. He says, I will, I will, I will. Today, in our own world, I say I will. I hope and pray I will. By God's glory, I will. By God's grace, I will. But you know what? God don't have to say anything else beyond I will. Because He is, I am. He says I will, we trust Him in it. Because He's powerful enough to do it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't say, I am creating. I'm in the process of creating. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he spoke it, it was. There was no future tense when God spoke it. It was. Only thing it has, when God speaks it, all it has is a present and a past. Because it's done. 
I will. In the future, it's already done. I will do these things. It's already done. So to God, it's past. That's a big thought. Oh my goodness, you're like, wow. Well, I got him in the multiverse of madness over here. But that's how things work when we think of how God thinks. God is outside of time. That's another reason why we can't comprehend when God says, I will. And then it's, it's already taken place. God knows his promises, his word is so good, it's already occurred. You may say, how? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but that's the power of God. In the beginning, when God created, God created the heavens and the earth. All of space, matter, and time was all created in that first moment of history as we know it. When did it occur? I don't really know because I wasn't there. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. What I know is God did it. Because God's powerful enough to do it. When I look there in that text and he says, I will shake heaven and earth. I don't know when he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And in God's sight and in God's mind and in God's power, it's happened. I will, overthrow, I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. This is all the political stuff. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. This is the power of God over the political. And when he says, I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, we can look back in Haggai 2.7, and now the shaking of the nations that was mentioned there in Haggai 2.7 is filled out in more detail here in these verses. This is that's what it, uh, one of the commentators said. And, and hold on to this name, Zerubbabel. I know you want me to say it over and over again, but hold on to his name, okay? Because Zerubbabel has a vital place in our salvation. And you may say, how is that? You'll find out in just a little bit as I walk on down through this text. Listen, the, the participle used here describes these events in terms of imminence. They were going to take place. This is intentional, divine decisions that God has made. I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. Who has the power to do that in and of themselves? It's not an individual person. Only God. God is the only one who has the power to shake heaven and earth. And that's all of heaven. That's the heavens, that is heaven, that is the earth. It's all of it. And that's in His power. It's in His power. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. We know at this time the Gentile kingdoms was quite powerful. And they had gone back to rebuild the temple. They needed some confidence. They needed some, some, some encouragement to continue in the work that they were called to do. And to know that my God in His power will overthrow the throne of these kingdoms that are trying to come against us. That are trying to hinder us from building the temple of God. It gives me all the more confidence. When I know the Lord is on my side... I know I can do great and mighty powerful things. Not for my glory, but for His. I know I can do them when the Lord's on my side. Well, how can I know that the Lord's on my side? Well, number one, I can repent and I can believe and I can confess Him as Lord. And then I become a child of God. And listen, as any father should be, if their child is pursuing holiness and obedience, listen, that father should be desiring to do anything they can for the safety and security and the good health of their child. Anything and everything they can. 
That's a good father. Because you know what? That's what God is. He's a good father. And when we're pursuing holiness, as we've talked about in weeks past, as we're living in obedience, as we've talked about in weeks past, our God is willing to do anything and everything for our victory. Because you know what our victory does when we have a victory? It brings glory and victory to his name. His name is the name above all names. His name is the name that at, one, at some point in, his, in, in, the, in the future, God is going to cause every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what's going to happen. He will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. That's the power, the power to shake, the power to overthrow, the power to destroy, and the power not only from a distance, but this is pretty up close and personal there in verse 22. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down. And this is interesting how this happens. It's going to happen everyone by the sword of his brother. Everyone by the sword of his brother. This is militaristic. God is going to come in and he's going to overthrow and he's going to show his power politically. He's going to show his power uh, in, in a military might. He's going to show it. He says, I'm going to come down and overthrow their chariots. I'm going to throw them over. We saw the power of God when, when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and the water crashed down on top of the, Israel, uh, the Egyptians as they pursued them. He overthrew their chariots. He overthrew their riders. And he's saying, you know what? I've done it once. I'll do it again. Again, there's nothing that can overcome the power of God, and there's nothing that's going to stop the promises of God. If he says, I'm going to do it, he can, he has the power so to do it, and he will. He's got the power, and he will keep his promise. For us today, we want some promises. We desire promises. We want to see God's promises work out. Sometimes they're not as how we expect them to come. We've got to look back instead of looking forward to them. We don't know that what God's keeping his promise in amongst the hard times, in and amongst the loss, or in and amongst the pain. While he's doing all these things, he doesn't tell them that you're not going to be serving me, you're not going to be fighting for me, but I guarantee you that these things will happen. These things will happen. Listen to one, one guy named Mark Boda, one of the commentators, he wrote this. He says, in the end... God causes such confusion in his enemies that ironically, they are the ones who enact judgment on themselves, confirming the ineptitude of human political power and military prowess. He's saying, listen, they're going to they're gonna kill each other. Have, so many times as you go back and read through the Old Testament, the, the, the enemy kills themselves because they're in utter shock. I think about when Jonathan and his armor bearer Climbed over the, climbed up that hill, and they took out so many folks by themselves, and the people were scared, and they ended up killing each other. You think about uh, Gideon, and when Gideon crawled down the mountain, and uh, they said, "Oh, I had a vision that a loaf of bread or a or a, a thing of wheat rolled down the mountain and destroyed our tents," and they said, "Surely that's the sword of God." Gideon, and Gideon was this big coward who was hiding out. When God first finds him, and God calls him a mighty man of valor. Listen, God's promises to us are yes and amen. He's going to see us through. And that's, a lot of times it's hard for us to see in our humanity. It's hard for us to see where we are. But trust the word of God. 
I will shake and His power will shake them. His power will overthrow them. His power will destroy the enemies of Him, which is our enemies. His power will overthrow the chariots. The horses and their riders shall come down and every one by the sword of His brother. We see that power. And what else can God do? God can take you. And God can make you something more. God can do that. Because you know what God's done? God has chosen you and me. God comes and He seeks us out. He reaches out in His mercy and grace and grabs us. And in obedience and in repentance and in faith, for it is by grace through faith that you are saved, not of works, so that no man can boast. So we turn to him as he has sought us, and he grabs us, and we surrender, we submit. There is none of this fighting, you know, as, as, as Jesus said to Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the goads? Do you not realize I'm reaching out for you? Repent and turn to me. And that's what we must do. We call people to repentance. Jesus did that in Mark 1.15. He says, Behold, the kingdom, of, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It's a good news that God is all-powerful. We need to consider our ways in God's power. And we need to consider our ways in God's promises. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm coming back for you. That's God's promise to us. That's gospel good news. It's good news. And I'm so glad that God does this stuff and, and keeps his word. Because so many times I fail. I don't keep my word all the time. Because we're human beings. We're going to falter and fail. We're going to say things, and then we're not going to be able to stand for it. After we get so far into it, we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that. Now I'm going to have to break a promise. I've told my kids, and my kids know this, I try not to make promises. Because you know why? Because a broken promise really hurts the heart. A broken, heart, a broken promise really challenges us on so many levels. But if I make a promise, I'm going to work to every end to see it through I'm, I'm a human I'm, I'm fallible I still may break that promise at some point but I'm telling you I'm going to do everything I can for that promise not to be broken you know what God's all powerful if he says it just as in Genesis 1 it was done if he promises it you can count on it it's yes and amen it's done when Jesus says it is finished, when he said that on the cross, it was done. It was finished. It's a promise. No work you can do can save you. The work was all completed in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's nothing you could do. That promise is yes and amen. So why, why did I talk to you about Zerubbabel? Not just to say his name. Why did I say that? If you notice in the first half, when God commands Haggai to speak to Zerubbabel, he calls him the governor of Judah. That was his political standing. Now, what's going to happen when God comes back? He's going to shake the heavens and the earth. He's going to, he's going to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. He's going to destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. Now, understand, Zerubbabel is not of the Gentile line. He's of a greater line. 
And that's the reason why in the latter part there in verse 23, he says, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, which is an exclusive title reserved for specially chosen people. He says, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shetiel. Now, why is that? Why does he not tell him that he's the governor anymore? Because this is the Davidic line. This is the line, you know, as we begin to walk toward Bethlehem. I think I've said Jerusalem last few weeks. But as we walk toward Bethlehem, we can begin understanding why this is so important to us. And we know that Joseph went up to Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of who? David. Zerubbabel is vitally important to our salvation. And God takes Zerubbabel. And just to give you some context as to why Zerubbabel is important and why this whole thing, he goes on to say, he says, I'm going to take you, Zerubbabel, and I'm going to make you my signet ring. Why is this important? Well, let me tell you the context. King Jehoiakim had been rejected by God. He says, God says this in Jeremiah twenty two twenty four. He says, as I live, says the Lord, though Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet would I pluck you off. This is what was happening. God was reversing the judgment and renewing his promise that the Davidic line would not die and would one day give way to the Savior. He had removed the blessing. He said, I'm taking the signet ring. Jehoiakim has failed me. But here's Zerubbabel. In you, the promise will be given back. And through you, the line will continue. The Davidic line. Through you will come a Savior who will shake the heavens and the earth. Through you will, will come the one who will sit as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I will overthrow these kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. How does that come? It comes through Jesus. It comes through Jesus. God's power to keep that. And he kept it through the life and line of David. Through and completed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Listen. God's power and God's promises are amazing. He says, for I have chosen you says the Lord of hosts. So as we think about this for us today, I've, I've kind of walked through this already about God's power and God's promises to us. But a couple of scriptures here that I would like to point out to you in reference for you to understand God's power and God's promises. Consider your ways in God's power. Psalm 66.3 says this, Say to God, How awesome are your works! Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. God's power makes his enemies submit and give up. Now let's think about that for just a moment. It causes his enemies. What, what are we called in the Bible? We are called God's enemies, right? I believe that's in Ephesians. We are called enemies of God. But yet, by God's power, he reaches out to us. For it is by grace, through faith, that you are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, 
It's through God's power that we're saved. God's power makes his enemies submit and give up. Whether that be the militaristic type enemies, whether it be political enemies, or whether it be us prior to salvation. We submit, we give up, and we say, you are Lord. Hopefully, everyone will do that on this side of the grave. That way they can have a relationship and go on to heaven. But for many, they will not do that on this side of the grave because they're stubborn. They choose their own path. They choose sin, selfishness, and society over a Savior. And they die in their sin. And because of their decision to not choose Christ, they're on a path to hell. And they will not have that opportunity. They will not have that opportunity to see eternity in heaven. Matthew 9, 6. It says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Listen, God's power can heal you spiritually. And if his will, he can heal you physically. Listen, I don't understand God's will as to why some people get healed physically. But listen, I know God's will and why people get saved spiritually. It's because he wants them to bring honor and glory to him. And why he chooses not to or so, I believe in the midst and how we respond has a lot to do with how he receives glory from that. Now let's consider our ways in God's promises. I quoted this scripture multiple times. It was, a, it was an interesting verse. I was talking to Julie about it this week. You know, uh, for many years, I had never even heard this verse. And it sounds very prosperity-like. But I want you to understand this. This is very prosperous for you and me who have called upon Christ our Lord and Savior. It says there in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Listen. If you divorce in him from that, it's not, it's not, that, that is not a good verse. But because it is in him, it's a wonderful verse for you and I. Because the ultimate end glory of all of these promises that God has uh, is the glory of God through us. God's promises are good for us and they bring glory to the Father. 2 Peter 1, 2-4. Peter writes this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us, excuse me, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, God's promises are fulfilled in our lives by our confessing Him as Lord. God's promises are fulfilled in our lives by confessing Him as Lord. And then Acts 2, 9:39. excuse me, Acts 2, verse 39 says this, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the and uh, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So God promises, God's promises are wrapped up in God's call in your repentance. God's call. It says there in that latter verse, For the promise is to those, is to you, your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
These promises of the gift of the Holy Spirit, these promises of the remission of sins are to all as the God will, as God will call. If God is calling to you today, His promise to you is to forgive you of your sins. His promise to you is to give you the Holy Spirit. Listen, we will never be able to walk in a life that brings honor, glory, and praise to Him apart from the leading and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We will not be able to do it. But if God is calling to you today, if God is speaking to you today, I implore you to turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Repent and believe the gospel.